What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room, brought to you by Jack in the Box, my co-host, Harrison Sanford. Tell us what we got for today, buddy. Well, you know what time it is, Danny. It's almost yeah. playoff time. I know you guys just spent some time watching the Blazers and Grizzlies game. Tell the fans and the audience what you guys were doing while this game was happening, and then we'll break down a bunch of topics that have to do with this first-round series. Well, th this is what we expected. Uh, no disrespect to Memphis, but this team has been playing well, um, and they've been hot. Uh, Portland and Phoenix are probably the two hottest teams within the bubble. Um, so we expect them to come out and play well. It's going to be tough for Memphis to beat them twice. Uh, but it's a tough matchup. It's going to be strong, uh, heavy front court well, and backcourt oriented. Uh, backcourt mostly, so with TJ and Dame. Um, it's going to be tough guard. And Trent is shooting it well. Melo, of course, is, is making big plays from downstairs. Nurkis having a big monster game on the boards and um, in the paint for them, scoring and rebounding. And Hassan Whiteside, who's a you know, rim protector, one of the best in the league at it. And you don't get enough, he doesn't give as much credit as he should. Uh, but it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, we know what our advantages are. We know where our strengths are. Um, we have to play the those and try to, you know, limit them as much as we can. I would love to get more down, uh, break down the set matchup a bit more. But first, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that game. It felt like a playoff game, which it kind of was. And I think the general NBA fan likes this idea of a play-in tournament. And there's been some discussion about it. And I know you're the Lakers representative for the NBPA. Would you advocate for this type of postseason tournament alteration to the end of regular season going forward? Yeah, I mean, I said if it's that close in the race where uh, teams are kind of fighting for spots, I definitely think some teams have opportunity. It also has to be exciting for the fans. Um, it's kind of like NBA, NCAA tournament type of uh, elimination game. So you said playoff-like atmosphere, but one-game elimination type thing. Uh, well, unless you said unless Memphis won. Uh, so it was interesting. A lot of people said it was a playoff-like type of game. You know, they were going at it as a heavyweight bout. You know, heavy hitters, you know, fight, you know, pound for pound, punch for punch. Um, said a good game because they said everybody's life was on the line. Their last season, their season's on the line. So, the, um, you know, they were at it, you know, from the, from the tip to the end. Every 50-50 ball mattered, and you can tell those guys are out there. They wanted their season to continue. There's a segment of Lakers fans who were – hoping that the Grizzlies would win on Saturday and potentially win on Sunday because the general sentiment is, is that you guys, or the Grizzlies rather yet, are the easier competition. But I know you, and judging how you guys have played in the seeding games, it feels as if getting the better eighth seed is probably a better thing for longer in the playoffs. There is no easy matchup in the NBA or in the Western Conference. In the Western Conference. Uh, so, yeah, but the team that got the AC is a team that deserved it, and they are obviously the better because they got to the AC uh, the way they did. Um, but we wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we want to play the best teams throughout the playoffs and prepare us for the next step. Uh, there's no way to be prepared or, or be ready for the second round or the Western Conference Finals that we're playing easier teams. So I said there's no easy teams in the NBA, period, or especially in the playoffs. Um, but so we wouldn't have it any other way. We want, you know, to play against the best teams, the better teams, um, give us a nice challenge, um, but hopefully, at the same time, it, it prepares us for the next step. But we have to—we're not skipping any steps. We're not looking past them. We very much well respect them. Um, so we, you know, we want to you know take this very seriously. But we know in the end, um, you know, win or lose, this is going to build character and make us a, a better team. But obviously, we expect to win. Um, being uh, the team that we are, the pieces that we have, we feel like we have the depth. But let's at the end of the day, you know, we want to play the better teams and we want to be well prepared when we're moving forward. Well, the one thing that the Blazers will do in terms of preparation, it'll get you ready to guard shots from the half-court line. For sure. Uh, and then some inside and out. Uh, it'll be, help us with pick and rolls, pace, uh, our defense, um, all of the above, man. Uh, we have to use our experience and our, said our agility, our length, our, our power, everything that we have, we're going to have to you know, use to, to take care of business or to beat these guys. They're very good. And said, I, I fully expect that we have the pieces and that we do get the job done, and it's not going to be easy. But um, you said this is a team uh, that is, you know, tough. We want to play the best teams. We want to have the most exciting teams. Most, and I, I just feel for the guys that haven't got a real playoff experience because even though it is the playoffs, they're not going to get full-on experience with the fans not being there. Um, you're not getting a real playoff series or a real playoff experience without, you know, playing at home with your, your playoff fans noise behind you or on the road where, you know, the, the fans there are kind of trying to get in your head. So uh, that's the fun part of it. And so playing against the top competition is always night in, night out what we look forward to as, as players. I want to get down, break down that aspect of it for Kyle Kuzman and Alice Cruz, and we'll talk about that a bit later. 
But let's get into a little XMOs a little bit with particularly guarding Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to give away the full scout, but Dame, the way he can control the pick and roll and do the little snake dribble, he could pull up from three, he could get to the mid-range, and because, as you've probably seen, Nurkic has been pretty confident shooting the three-point line. Obviously, Carmelo could shoot from three-point line. Zach Collins could shoot from three-point line. So he could have a nice little driving lane to the basket. What shots will you live with that game could potentially score? Um, live with other people shooting him um, outside of Dame. We live with the Nurkic three-pointers. Even though he's shooting it well, we live with the other guys shooting three-pointers, keeping them out of the paint. Um, obviously, we're on Dame getting a rhythm from, from deep, but you want to contest those the best you can. And as I said before, you, you can't really stop – the top players in this league are all-stars. You can only try to hope to contain them or limit them as much as you can. We know he's going to eventually some way, somehow find a, a rhythm or find some places to score. He's going to get enough shots if he's too good to not create his own shot and get space and figure it out. Uh, but we want to limit that as much as possible and also, you know, make them and force them to play uh, to other players, you know, and make those guys make, you know, decisions or make shots. And if they do, you know, we live with that. Then, you know, we pat them on the back and keep moving. We still got to figure out, also had a score. You know, if we put, play to those odds and they still make baskets, you know what, we have to run and score as well. So it's not just a defensive game, but it's a, it's a you know, both offensive and defensive type of game. Your fellow podcaster, CJ McCullum, uh, has been playing well despite the injury with a fracture in his back. You saw the type of pull-ups that he hit today with John Morant guarding him. Uh, and obviously you have an extensive experience guarding him. So he's similar to Dame in the fact that he could pull up from almost anywhere, but he's a little bit different uh, how do you think your experience guarding him being in the Western Conference and just kind of knowing this game? I know you guys have shared time uh, playing each other in New York City during the past summers. Obviously, you guys are relatively close for NBA players on different teams. Uh, how do you think that's going to factor in into how, how you could perform defensively against him? That's never an easy matchup for anybody, especially myself, even though I've known him for some years and played against him for some years. Um, and the, this is the biggest key for both of those guys, not just, you know, Dame, him as well. He's just as much of a threat and big, just as much of a weapon for their team is to not let them get the rhythm, you know, early on. Try not to let them get as many touches or many looks and try to break the rhythm if they do get a rhythm. Uh, but he's tough. You know, some guys, you just have to give them, you know, give them the toughest shots you can get. Hopefully he misses them. Hopefully he doesn't get rhythm and uh, make them play defense, you know. So, so he's going to be a tough guard. And right now, said, it looks like he doesn't have any injuries, but, you know, Doc said he got a backy out of me. The guy's still killing. He's got a messed up back, but he's looking, you know, really good out there. So we we're hoping that they run out a little bit of gas and hopefully only have a quarter tank left. And by the time they reach us, that we can kind of, you know, get the race running. And we still have a full, you know, full tank um, with some rest days in between. But we'll see how it goes. Now they have a day or two of rest. Um, it would have been nice for them to play Sunday and, you know, make them a little more tired. But, you know, they get a couple of days rest, and now you know, we got a chance to, you know, see what they got for Tuesday. We are going to touch on that element in a little bit. But the other thing that I want to bring up with the Blazers, and we've talked about Nurkic already and Zach Collins, uh, these are two players that are essentially starters coming back to the team in a world where they're back for the regular season. I would assume you don't view this team as an eight seed? No, for sure not. Um, this is a team that went to Western Conference Finals, what, just a year ago maybe? Or maybe two years ago? Last year? Yes, last year. Um, you know, and so when they're full health, they're definitely you know, a top five-seeded team in the West. Um, and also there were some games that they got, I guess they got kind of jerked on and dropped the ball on. Was a couple of missed calls here and there that they, they spoke about. But that team at full health and the way they've been playing, the way they played last year, is one of the top five teams in the West. But unfortunately they have injury. That's the big, the, one of the toughest parts of winning a championship is – the healthiest team, the team that, you know, has the best chemistry. And sometimes injuries break the chemistry. You know, luckily we got Rondo back in the bubble. He's not back yet, but it'll help us when we're able to work him back into the system and get that chemistry going again and having that peace. Um, Now they're, they're, you know, reaping the benefits of having their guys healthy and able to go on a run and keep rhythm. And now they're one of the hottest teams in the bubble. That's why this matchup is going to be tough. So let's actually talk about Rajon Rondo. He's back in the bubble, obviously quarantining now. Uh, what type of impact do you think he could have? Obviously, he won't play more than likely in this first round. Uh, where can you see him pinpointing things that might help you guys be successful? Obviously, not too long ago, he was on that Pelicans team that uh, beat the Blazers. So I, I imagine that there's a lot of intel that he can give you guys. Even if he wasn't on that team, it doesn't matter. Those IQ will help us tremendously, whether he has experience with them. Obviously, him having experience with them helps 
a ton, but he knows the game. He studies the game. He watches the game. And regardless of the fact that he's on the floor for us or not, he makes a huge impact for us just because of what he sees and how, how well he understands the game and knows how to attack certain teams, attack certain things. Uh, but just even more an advantage that he does know them well. He's played them before. He knows uh, their system. He knows their players. Um, so that helps a ton. But so him being there, even though he's not going to play for us right away, uh, he, he's going to have a huge impact. You know, just being around us and his encouragement, you know, his confidence, his attitude, and how he approaches the game and just his understanding of the game. Role players and rookies or younger players, it's kind of interesting to see how they perform in the playoffs because there's this element of the fan noise, uh, obviously just the general nerves of the game. I assume Rondo could be a help for players like Kyle Kuzma and AC who are going to play minutes in these high-intensity games. How do you think the impact of not having fans for Kuz, for AC, guys that also play off the crowd, but then at the same time, if you're – visiting the arena that crowd might hurt you or could help you i guess it depends on the type of player that you are but overall how do you think this environment can help uh kyle kuzma and alice caruso uh like i said earlier man it sucks that they don't get the real feel of the play out for environment and atmosphere um but i always like the positives and i think this situation can help them stay focused and locked in um, and not worried about distractions you know with the bright lights uh the fans yelling won't have any chance to, to distract them or you know make them any type of weary uh, but also I know those guys are the guys that love to play under the bright lights and that, it gets them going. Uh, so that kind of sucks. Cause I know that, you know, Kuz when the lights, the you know, lights are shining bright, he's going to show up. Casey as well. He gets the crowd behind him, his adrenaline going. He, he's one of the most athletic guards you have out there and attacking and making plays and pushing the pace for us. Uh, so we're going to need that. But I said the positive side of it, you know, let's just track for him and we're on the road. Um, you're not going to hear any fans kind of heckling or booing them or getting under their skin. So it's easy for them to stay locked in and not worry about, you know, the outside distractions or letting the lights bother them at, at much at all. One person I'm sure the environment won't make too much of a difference for, particularly now that we're in the postseason, is LeBron James. Uh, you've played with LeBron one year. You've played against him in big games. And now you're, you've been with him for an entire year now with the Lakers. I assume that there's a part of him, and maybe you can confirm this, that is very uh, cognizant of the notoriety that Damian Lillard has gotten in this bubble. Obviously, he was just named the seeding games MVP. I don't know why they just don't call it the bubble MVP. Sounds so much cooler. Um, but I'm sure that LeBron is revving up for this opportunity um, to be in the spotlight and kind of lead the world's leading brand in basketball uh, to potentially a title, particularly against somebody who was just named uh, the MVP. Definitely. I mean, he's no—he's not Michael Jordan where he's looking for any type of chip or motivation to be like, you know what, I took this personally. But, you know, he's just one of those guys. He takes everything serious and he's, he's self-motivated. He doesn't have the outside motivation of somebody getting an MVP or somebody else getting this over him. That doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, he wants to win and wants to win with his team. Um, he doesn't care about his individual accolades, uh, which makes him one of the greatest uh, to me in my eyes. Uh, so, yeah, and he knows what time it is, and you know how well he performs on the brightest stages. The biggest stages, you know, the biggest stars come to play, and he's that guy, and there's a reason why he's arguably one of the greatest in the game or the greatest in the game uh, because of that, that how he performs on those on the stages and at that level. Um, so I'm fully not, I'm fully expecting him to be his normal self. I'm not worried about him at all. Um, obviously, AD has been in the playoffs a couple times. He's also performed well. Um, you know, I, I'm just worried about our others and myself. Make sure we do our job and make them those, those guys have easier jobs. Make sure that their game is easier for them. So if we make if we do our jobs the way we're supposed to. It'll make the game easier for them, and we all collectively can win and celebrate. And you know, you know, do the and, and we'll have a, a seven game series. Hopefully, uh, that's the key. That's the goal. Because when you're playing every other day, you don't want to be in stretch long stretches of series. Um, you know, because the next one will come right around the corner. You need some days, some way, somehow. Uh, but, you know, so we have to do our job to make the, the, the game easier for our superstars. There is a reward if you're able to win uh, these series in short order. And I, I want to get to that. But uh, I don't know if you've heard the commentator. I've seen, I'm assuming you have, that maybe the Clippers are the most talented roster uh, in the NBA. A lot of prognosticators like to say that. At the same time, uh, one of the things that I've kind of debated about with people is that, I don't think there's a team in the NBA that uh, can adequately guard the combination of LeBron and AD. Like you might have one team, like for example, the Blazers that have, I mean, AD's unguardable, right? But they have reasonable bodies to guard AD, whether it's Nurkic, whether it's Whiteside, like these are, they're, they're, they're around the same physical frame that can guard him. However, 
it looks like with the Portland matchup, there doesn't seem to be a reasonable option for, for LeBron in terms of who's going to guard him. Do you guys, kind of, I'm assuming that's kind of what you guys pride yourself on or kind of when you look at matchups, you're like, well, in this matchup, we can kind of milk the talents of LeBron. Obviously, you're always going to use his talents, but it's, it's playoff basketball and there are mismatches that you want to capitalize on. That's every basketball game, not just playoffs, but you want to attack the mismatches. And every night we go on our floor, it doesn't matter who's there. Um, we still think it's a mismatch for those guys because they're just very, that good at what they do. Um, they do have Carmelo there, who has definitely played a great offensive scheme uh, game for them. And defensively, he's picked up his energy. Uh, so you, people might argue, one might argue that that's a good matchup for Braun. But at the end of the day, we said we, we don't think anybody can guard either one of those two guys. And that's why they are superstars. But we still have to, you know, bring our A game as the guys around them and others. Uh, so yeah, I don't think there's any team in the league that can guard, regardless of saying size matchup. If you think they're well enough, I don't think there's any team that can guard those two. Uh, but also think that our team has the most depth in terms and most options in terms of playing big, small, medium. Uh, I think we have so many more uh, pieces to be able to, you know, play all different types of basketball. I don't think any other team in the league can do that uh, as well as we can, or even, you know play all three or play all three levels that like that. So uh, that's an interesting aspect of it. And I said, I think that, that goes to testament too of Braun and AD. And I said, JaVale, Dwight, our bigs, that they will, they're big and mobile, but also our wings like Coos that are very long athletic and have, you know, wingspans that are unbelievable. That's actually something that's been trending on Lakers Twitter. Uh, a lot of commentary about what should the Lakers go big or stay big? Should they go small with AD at the five? Obviously, as you alluded to, you feel confident going either way. But majority of the commentary has been, we need to see AD more at the five. For the fans who are trying to understand basketball at the, at the level that you do, can you explain why AD at the four is so impactful and why that could be a winning formula, particularly in certain matchups as well? Um, I just think defensively, it makes us a lot tougher uh, at the basket, at the rim. We have Dwight and JaVel out there protecting it for us. And it also gives a lot more confidence on the perimeter to get up into those guards and make them drive uh, to give us more confidence and aggression uh, to know that we have people behind us protecting the rim. It also allows AD to play a little more freely you know, offensively and defensively where he knows he has other guys that can you know, protect from and rebound from. He doesn't have to do as much uh, for us when he's at the four. Um, so, yeah, I think that aspect of it, it, it kind of favors him. But even at the five, he has to, you know, fours can't guard him, either can fives. Or fours, he can kind of back down and shoot over fives. He's just a lot quicker then. So he has an advantage on both ways, both however you look at it. But um, end of the day, I think he's mismatched regardless. Um, but I, I think on the defensive side of things, rebounding-wise and defensive side of things, we have more rim protecting, uh, better rim protection and, and better rebounding when you have those guys in the game. Yeah, I was actually speaking to Jay Hernandez, who's – the former assistant coach for Frank Vogel. He's now the assistant coach for the Charlotte Hornets. We were on IG Live. And he talked about the impact of having AD as a help defender, which is going to help you guys potentially get out in transition where you score very well. Uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league in transition. Uh, but you talked about the idea of this being a new season. And obviously this is what, I guess the third season for you kind of, for you personally uh, and how you evaluate your game. I'm assuming that you are refreshed by this opportunity to play and kind of change the narrative of how you've played in these seeding games. And probably, and you could tell me how you've played throughout the majority of the season. For sure, man. I'm a, I'm a very tough critic on myself more than any. And I'm never really happy or satisfied with my play. Um, especially this year, I know I could play better. I could do more. I could help make the game easier for my guys. Um, but every, every game, every day is a new day to reinvent yourself, especially these playoffs. And I think everybody's looking at this opportunity as a good one. Um, all our role players, all our others, to make a name for themselves or to just reinvent themselves and, and change the narrative of their season and our season as a group, but also just individually as our season. So I'm definitely looking and excited about the opportunity to do so. Um, but at the same time, so I'm just focusing on winning games. Um, and if I stay like that, if I take that approach, take that aggression, things will fall into place. And, you know, I'll go back, get back to my old self. So I don't have to worry about it, think about playing basketball, just play the game. And that's when we're all playing our best and we're just not thinking and just playing what naturally comes to us. I think that's an interesting point that you bring up because last year when you were with the Raptors, you had games where you didn't play well, but the team still won. And I, it was interesting because I was always trying to gauge your energy after a game. And I'm like, man, Danny might have only gone two for seven from three. I wonder how his vibe is going to be. But you guys won. 
and you were legitimately like, yeah, I'm good. Like, obviously, you still want to play better, but you're still uh, happy that the team won. And I think, I assume that's something that's carried on from your San Antonio days and just looking at the bigger picture and kind of understanding maybe what your role is as a shooter. You're not always going to be, you know, you're not always going to be 90% from the three-point line. For sure. You're going to miss more than you make most of the time. Um, a lot of times your job on the floor, just being out there makes you a threat. And obviously you want to play the best, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about winning. It's the end of the day. And so it comes from San Antonio. When you win, that's, you know, that's what we all should be happy about. Obviously, you know, for the next game, what can make us win easier? What are they going to key on? Um, what can I do more or do better? Obviously, I can shoot better and score better. But defensively, let me look at what I can do. And you want to play better. And hopefully, it's the next game you play better and help your team. But the end goal is winning. It doesn't matter what your individual performance is. Obviously, your individual performance can help the win. But if you win a game, it doesn't really matter what your individual performance was. I think you alluded to this when you were uh, giving your championship speech at the parade in Toronto last year. And you kind of alluded to the fact that there were certain games or maybe a certain series where you didn't play well, but you still felt empowered to have a voice and still kind of mentor the guys as they were going through their first playoff run. And obviously there's guys in your team who are going to be going through their first playoff run. Um, I assume that that's something that you're going to make sure you keep on doing as maybe you'll go through some waves of hot streaks, cold streaks, but uh, I assume that you know that there's uh, so much value in your experience. And that's part of the reason why the Lakers brought you in for times like this, regardless if you're shooting well or not. Definitely. I'm not just here to, to play and, and to shoot and just go. Obviously, they want me to do those things, but I'm here to also teach and, and bring that mentality, that DNA to this team. And I'm never going to st not stop coaching and teaching my younger guys and letting them know that we've been preparing them this, all season for this moment. Not just myself, but Bron, Doe, JaVale, all the guys that have been there, QC, uh, that have been to the finals. We've been preparing those guys that have not been to the playoffs. I had a deep run of what's to come so that when it does come they're ready for it you know so because we're going to need every piece every piece matters every point every stop every rebound is going to matter um, and we're letting guys know that so when, when they come in that game um, somebody's going to have an off night whether it's me Kuz um, you know KCP somebody else has got to step up and, and we're as good as our weakest link and then we have to make sure everybody's on the same page has that same energy and make sure we're boosting each other up and giving that encouragement whether we're playing a good game or not we're going to make sure those guys are there to fill our shoes or you know understand what's going on we need them uh, so, yeah, we, we all know what, what it takes to get there, what it takes uh, when we have been there. Um, so we're just going to continue to keep do, keep pushing at that and, and making those guys understand the game because it's a long game, it's a long series, and everything can change and shift, and every opportunity is going to come. You've got to be ready for it, and we're going to need them to be ready for it. We need them to capitalize on it uh, for us to be successful. After a big game or a game in general, I know you like to sometimes go home, take care of the dogs. You can't do that now or you like to go out maybe to a restaurant, get something to eat. And while this could be a distraction for some players, sometimes it's the cool off that's needed after a game. Uh, how do you think this environment that you're in now in Orlando can play an impact uh, in terms of having distractions or having cool off uh, kind of sessions? I remember last year, there are certain cities that provide more distractions for players than others. For sure not naming any cities, not naming any players. It's a different environment now. Uh, how do you think that plays? <laughs> we don't need distractions, but like you said, we do need the getaways, and that is kind of wearing on guys not having those escapes, and that's our little escapes at our mini homes with our families, our dogs, our kids, our girlfriends, wives, fiancés, um, so I'm not able to do that. So was it, it, the only thing that makes it easy in here is playing good basketball. So, you know, if you're not playing good basketball, it's hard to escape and get away from it and not think about it. So you know, what makes the bubble easier we got to give it to work, get down to playing good basketball, and we don't have to escape as much. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to have that. We just FaceTime, which helps, but um, you only need those escapes when things aren't going as well or as smoothly, um, especially here in this bubble. But, you know, it's going to wear on you if, if you, you let it mentally. But, you know, we got to get back to playing our basketball, playing good basketball, being the Lakers that we are, and, you know, not having to worry about uh, using that escape as much. So. One thing that you alluded to is the game's, the game's being played every other day. And it would be nice to have, I uh, guess, some more friends and family uh, after potentially you winning this first round series. And I must say, I felt bad for Coach Vogel and I feel for guys like Phil and Jay Kidd and Coach Simon uh, and the rest of the staff because from my understanding, and Coach Vogel confirmed this, while you guys will be able to bring in friends and family after the first round is over, provided that you win, the coaches won't. 
I'm sure for you, I mean, you care about using yours, yours first, but that kind of like, I'm sure you uh, feel for them. I care about those guys too, man. It sucks that they're not able to spend some time with anybody in here, you know, uh, not even not saying they need all their family, but at least one person would be nice for them to have. Uh, but it sucks. And I said, it sucks all around. Uh, lucky for us, we're able to bring some people in, but you know, for, as an organizational standpoint, you know, the league is not allowing us to bring in, uh, extra people you know we're limited on the people we can bring in you know we might need extra massage masseuse or a you know physical therapist we might need extra video guy to help us uh luckily it's an organization on top of things the way they you know always are and should be and we have our guys kind of outside the bubble still ch chiming in and tuning in via zoom on every practice and watching and cutting film and cutting clips uh, hopefully we get a couple of those guys in but it'll be nice even though all our families are not even if we're not using all our family spaces, but they're not allowed to bring family, extra family, and they're not allowed to bring extra staff. So that's kind of where it sucks. So like you say, we all just bring one person, and we're allowed up to three or four. Um, we still get kind of stuck with not being able to use those extra spaces for staff or, you know, coaches' families, um, which is, you know, short end of the stick, and then it kind of is, you know, weak in a sense. But, you know, it's the rules, and we got to buy by them, hopefully to loosen up as things go along. Or if hopefully we keep winning and they have more space, and then we'll allow some of the coaches to bring some of their friends and family or their family or close ones. If you guys keep winning, you have the opportunity to potentially, uh, as you said, bring in more family. And there's an opportunity maybe that's more immediate for you. There could be some friends and family uh, being virtual fans. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, I am not going to put you in that incredibly tough position where you have to pick one friend or family member in order to be a virtual fan. But I will put you in the tough position to pick one celebrity that you want to see as a virtual fan for game one versus the Trailblazers. You could only pick one, and I know how you do, and I'm not letting you get, no, get away people, with it. We have, we're in L.A., man. Los Angeles has so many fans, top people. Uh, but I think everybody would agree on this, that Snoop is probably one of the top dogs that is always there, always supporting, and he's always talking his trash, and he'll be animated and give us the support that we need. Uh, but I'd definitely love to see Snoop, Denzel, Jack Nicholson. All those guys are great. Um, I'll see my family and friends, of course. Um, they're all asking me about this virtual process well. I'm trying to figure out for some of them to get on and, and watch the game. And you have to be there the whole time. You have to sit there and watch the game the whole time. Uh, but it would be nice to have, you know, your dad, your brothers, or your fiance, whatever there. But uh, we have so many celebrities in L.A., man. Any one of them would do for us. Could, you could see the level of intensity going up, and they're so, they're so damn entertaining. Judging off of this playoff game, I imagine it's going to be even more entertaining once the playoffs hit with all the animosity, being in the bubble, you not being able to see your family. Guys are going to be kind of testy, even more, maybe more than usual. Um, and but all the folk, while a lot of the focus is going to go there, I am curious. You guys went to uh, the bubble with two missions, not just win a championship, but also bring to light issues of social injustice. I envision that it's going to be even more of a difficult challenge now um, in, for you guys to kind of say what you want or kind of move forward with action plans or things of that nature, because as you admitted, you got to lock into the playoffs as well. It's, it, you have a job to do. Uh, how do you envision you, your team, and guys that you're close with uh, kind of working through that balancing act? Um, we for sure make an emphasis to not ever let it fade, man. Regardless of what the situation is, I'm just going to lock in and, and, and be, you know, all about basketball and lock in about the playoffs. But there's not a point or a time we're not going to emphasize what the bigger picture is for us and our, our families and our communities. And that's to re keep reiterating, we need the people to vote. You know, we need justice for Breonna Taylor. We need justice for everybody else. There's a long list of names out there. Um, so and we're going to keep nailing for the anthem. Regardless if Trump likes it or not, we don't care. We really don't give a shit. But it's at the end of the day, we want to play. Obviously, we love basketball to play, but at the end of the day, we know the bigger picture is here. And we will be damned if we let it, you know, drown out or fade out, you know, and try to be background noise. We're still going to keep it at the forefront and make it the main topic of exactly what we're here, what, why we're here, what we're doing here, and what needs to be changed and be done in our country. You alluded to uh, Trump's stance on players kneeling. Uh, I'm sure that you've been made aware of uh, the controversy as it pertains to uh, funding for USPS and potential bail-in and absentee voting kind of being curtailed as we get closer and closer to the election. Do want to give a shout out to LeBron and his more than a vote campaign and the Los Angeles Dodgers for teaming together, using Dodger Stadium as a facility to vote. And as I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and obviously we kind of know where LeBron and you 
and uh, where they might lean politically. But in this sense, opening up a venue to vote and not necessarily saying who you should vote for, what party you should vote for, but enabling the American public to have the opportunity to vote is a very important thing. So I have to salute them. And I continue to see more and more franchises doing it. And I'm sure for you as an athlete, it's encouraging uh, because they always say that athletes should stick to sports. But when you start to see franchises getting involved in politics, it's, it must be uh, another motivating factor for you, knowing that you yourself are doing the right thing. For sure. And we need to continue to have it. Keep, continue to keep backing each other, continue uniting and pushing forward uh, as a unit, um, as a country. You know, get everybody, educate everybody to get us on the same page to make sure that these people get the justice they deserve and make sure you know, we have some equality going around the world. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's a beautiful thing. We've been out to some protests, me, me and you, myself. We know what it's like out there, seeing all different colors, race, races, uh, different backgrounds. Uh, but I said we, we needed to be bigger and even better and get more progress. It was, it was right now, it's just the beginning. All right. So I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to ask you to be too much of an analyst for those, listen, for those listening on podcast or watching on YouTube. We have Howard Beck from Bleach Report, who's going to break down all eight playoff series. Danny's got to go. He's got to lock in on the Blazers. And if he does, and if they do what they're supposed to do, then we'll be back to preview whoever they might play in the second round, whether that's the Rockets or the Thunder. Either way, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, Denny, anything else? No, nope. appreciate y'all tuning in. Make sure y'all go out there and vote. Keep supporting the Lakers. Uh, hopefully we make y'all proud. Uh, we will be better than we have been in the, in the regular season games and the preseason. I promise you that. So it'll be some fun basketball. Enjoy the bubble basketball while you can. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hopefully I see you right before the next round. For sure. All right, all right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or two tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive-thru, or delivery. We're back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green, but I am the captain now. Uh, Danny's getting focused on uh, his playoff series to start the first round of the playoffs for the Lakers. So I am joined by Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. And, of course, we have to break down every single series uh, that's going to happen in this first round. But first and foremost, I think your background – uh, it's a lot better than mine. Where is that? I know you're in New York, but where is that set to? Uh, yeah, I am in New York. I wish I were in my background. That is Colorado. That behind me is Mount Sopris, which uh, towers over an area uh, where there's a town called Carbondale. I have relatives out there who uh, this time last year, more or less, that's where I was. And um, honestly, Harrison, that's where I wish I were right now. Um, <laughs> Instead of sweltering, you. sweltering Brooklyn. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I can, uh, I can only just manufacture the environment at this point and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, close my eyes, click my heels, something like that. I wonder if you and I, I wonder if we're, if we can change it. Can we put in any image? Maybe we could uh, pretend as if we're in the bubble and we could just put like a background <laughs> of Disney world or something. Does that, I don't mess around with zoom too much, but I think that's possible. I, I, we, we could do that. I, I could actually, I could go to Google, download a shot of like, uh, what's the, the, um, the, 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 the enchanted castle. What the hell do they call the castle thing? Um, uh, I, I wouldn't know. I'm clearly, I'm a bad, to. I'm a bad Disney person. Um, <laughs> I could just import that and then drop that behind me. You know, gets Mickey and, and, and Minnie and, and Goofy in there. And like, yeah, we could just uh, – there. see, there's the podcast guests you should have gotten. Yep. Right. We, have, exactly. we have yet to hear from Mickey and Minnie Mouse about mm -hmm. how they feel about how the bubble's going so far. Do they think the Lakers can make it all the way? Are they worried about the offense? Like, there's – you know, I, I, I think the mice have some hot takes. Someone <laughs> should hit them up. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, speaking of which, before we get to the series – as we were talking about the backgrounds of being the bubble, are you getting to the point now where you kind of, I, I listened to the, the, the your re, one of your recent episodes you did with Michael Lee and you guys discussed hesitancy towards going, but you said that there might be a little bit of FOMO that kicks in at some point. Has the FOMO kicked in yet? There, there is some. And, you know, now my friends who are in the bubble who will remain, remain nameless, but some of my media friends in the bubble have said, listen, don't, don't have too much FOMO. You're, you're fine. Trust me. Um, that said, I think some of them are really enjoying it because 
though at, at first we thought the media access to the teams might be very, very limited, incredibly restrictive, it's actually been freer for them than what was originally projected because things have gone well and because you know, they, like the NBA is just feeling their way through this, right? Um, and as a result, they're, they're getting better access than usual in part because there are 22 teams all in one place and in part because there's only a handful of media people. And so, look, we all love exclusive access. We all love being like one of the handful or even just the one who gets to go get somebody one day because so much of us of what we do is, is shared. Scrums and press conferences, getting anything you can one-on-one. -on -one. And I've been doing this for 23 years. And so when I first started covering the Lakers in 97, access was a little better. There was less media. And so we all, especially those of us who have been around for a while, you long for those, mo those, those days where you had kind of free reign, um, easier to talk to guys, just chit chat off the record. It doesn't even have to be about basketball. It's just getting to know guys, just having it be relaxed. And it's very, very uh, rarely relaxed anymore. And also proximity to the court. So, um, you know, they're loving the, the, that part of it. The, the, the reporters who are in the bubble are right there with a proximity that we used to have all the time, sideline and baseline, and we, don't, we just don't get anymore. So, yeah, um, I'm a little bit jealous of some of my friends down there, but I also, you know, the trade-off was just too steep, you know, 90 days or more um, away from family. And I didn't want to get on a plane. I have not been on a plane since March. Longest I've gone in my, in my longest in 23 years, basically since I started covering the NBA to not fly anywhere for personal or professional. Um, but it's all right. It, you know, it's been challenging working from home. It's you know, trying to track people down. Try, you're relying on a lot of intermediaries to try to get people. Um, but, you know, so that part of it, it is, it is, it is tougher, but it's temporary. You know, the, the league will get through this. We in the media who cover the league will get through this. Um, you know, shout out to all the great PR people and everybody else who are helping out for those of us who are not in the bubble, which is the vast majority of us. And, and doing everything they can to help, you know, make our jobs still uh, productive, so. Indeed, uh, uh, a wise person once said, uh, this too shall pass, so yes. that it, it will shortly. Uh, but you mentioned you, your time covering the Lakers, so uh, let's get started there. Sure. Uh, I, earlier in this episode, Danny and I talked about the Damian Lillard issue, or as some would call him, Logo Lillard now. Um, one question for you, who, on the Blazers roster is reasonably equipped to guard LeBron James? <laughs> um, I don't think any of them are. And, you know, listen, I'm one who, and this, this, is, this is what happens when you're in, in media, right? We don't have rooting interests, right? We don't care about teams or players or anything else, whatever. But we love great stories. And so the allure of the idea of, you know, the Blazers might be, as my buddy Chris Mannix told me on my pod last week, the best eighth seed in NBA history and the prospect of that meaning a really great one, eight series, which we don't get very often. It's not a knock on the Lakers, but it, it's, it's a, it's a, a tribute to how good this Blazer team and how talented it is. And that their regular season was not indicative of who they really were at full strength. Right? Mm -hmm. So listen, Lillard, Lillard and McCollum against the Laker guards going to be a, a bit tough, right? I don't think Danny can guard them both simultaneously. Uh, and I think the Lakers, where they're, they're thin there right now without Avery Bradley and for the moment Rondo, that's not great. That's not great. Um, but yes, there's always the other side of the ball. And who's going to check AD? Who's going to check LeBron? They do have a bunch of bigs to try to at least bang on AD. I, I don't, there's not a single player on that roster that I would look at and say, yeah, that's the guy you want on LeBron James. All due respect to Carmelo Anthony, but Carmelo, even in his prime, and even when he and LeBron, as, as good friends, entered this league together and all their battles, yeah, they could give it to each other, but Carmelo was never going to slow down LeBron. And, and it's certainly at this stage of their, this late stage of their careers, Carmelo, who was out of the league, you know, for a year and looked like maybe for good, I, I just don't think Carmelo at this age is the guy you want trying to, to, to stop or, or guard LeBron much. They'll, he'll, they'll have their turns on each other, and Carmelo will have his chances. And it'll be fun for narrative purposes, for story purposes, for us in the media. And, and I think for everybody, it's just going to be a nice – it may be the last meaningful games those two guys play against each other. But I don't, think, I, I don't think that's a great matchup for the Blazers. Um, you know, Rodney Hood might have come in handy a little bit if he were still healthy. Um, you know, 
Mario Hazonia once blocked LeBron's shot at the Garden on <laughs> the last that. on the last play of the game. Um, I don't think that means you want Mario Hazonia as your wall between LeBron and the basket. I I, I don't know exactly where you go if you're the Blazers there. Um, I, I think that's going to be a real uphill battle for them. And plus, you know, they, they love, re, you know, really going heavy with the guards and, and doing some three-guard stuff. But, you know, Gary Trent and Anthony Simons aren't going to be the ones guarding LeBron either. So um, this, this could be – if this series is short, it's because of that. It's because LeBron is just going to wreck them. Um, and, and also, you know, look, they're hearing this too. And if there's one thing we know, LeBron loves getting a chip on his shoulder about how he or his team is not respected. And if we're all out here are talking about, wow, the Blazers might give them a run for their money, might extend them out to six or seven games, best eight seed we'd ever seen. Lakers are struggling in the bubble. Blazers are on a hot streak. Boy, watch out for Dame Lillard. LeBron's going to take that personally and, and, and try to set things right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be a, a tough order for the Lakers. I, I would, I mean, for the Blazers, I would think uh, as much – uh, obviously, I try not to have a rooting interest. Obviously, I think everybody kind of knows what I would like to see. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I just I do love basketball in general. And I wish uh, the Blazers story could continue. I would lo- have loved to see them versus the Clippers. Um, but uh, I think uh, that offseason move that allowed that put them in a situation where they no longer have Mo Harkless or Al Farouk Aminu might uh, be – something that really shows detrimental uh, going into this yeah. first round series for sure. Um, moving on to the two seed. And I just alluded to the Clippers uh, again, another player that I think all basketball fans love to see Luka Doncic. We'd love to see him in action. And I feel as if maybe this is the one team that he wouldn't uh, want that isn't favorable for him in terms of the matchup, because if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George decide to do the, not, not saying that they are, but if they decide to do the Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Tony Kukoc treatment, it could be a tall order uh, for Luka. Uh, what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, it's, um, it is unfortunate because, again, I think Luka is somebody that, you know, everybody, fans and media, like, we all love watching this, this guy. He's, been, he's incredible and that he's still just in his second year and the leap that he took even from his rookie season to now is absolutely phenomenal. And look, when you're that talented, you will find a way to be effective. But um, this will be his first postseason. Granted, there are no road games, and part of young players wilting or having to adjust to postseason play, part of that's atmosphere, a lot of it's atmosphere, and the intensity of the games. Now, the intensity will crank up because the players do that anyway. But without the crowd there, it will at least strip away a little bit of that element. So it's... I don't think Luca will have to deal with, you know, the same kind of uphill battle or the same obstacles or just new challenges as if this were a normal postseason. Um, I think the concern would be this one. He's going up against a team that yes, has two of the best wing defenders in the league and Kawhi and Paul George taking turns so that one of them is always on him could really fluster Luca and really take him out of what he wants to do. And when you do that, you pretty much short circuit the Mavericks because as talented as Kristaps Porzingis is, that's more of a matchup that, yeah, occasionally he's going to over, you know, shoot over guys or use, use his, his, his length and his versatility and his perimeter shooting to, to, you know, create mismatches, but still initiating the play is so important in today's league guys who can do it all. And Luke is one of those guys. And, you know, where else are you going to go on this team? You know, uh, you know, Berea and Seth Curry and who I like, you don't have anybody else who's really going to initiate a lot and take some of the pressure off of Luca. And yeah, if you, if you really just snuff him out, you've, you've short circuited the Mavericks because the rest of that roster, and this is to their credit, by the way, it's not the showiest rotation in the world, right? Like credit to Rick Carlisle. He's a magician. Like, you know, Luca's awesome. Porzingis is really good. And then it's a lot of, you know, kind of nondescript rotation guys, all due respect. Um, but it's, <laughs> But not too many other teams, I think, would have gotten that out of, of that group. But it does mean you're really, 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 really reliant on, on your star. And he's going up against two guys that, that can, you know, certainly make life hard. Uh, one thing that I guess I love to try to find the, the positive out of it, it, 
if the, that series goes as kind of maybe a lot of people might be predicting with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard really focusing in on Luka and, and Luka potentially doesn't play well or the, the team in general doesn't play well, you're talking about a player like Luka who made this enormous leap from year one to two, having the experience of being guarded by some of the best players in the NBA, in the playoffs, and then potentially not playing again until February, potentially. Yeah. So that amount of development and motivation that could come, like the, the intelligence that comes from being guarded by players like Kawhi and Paul George, being able to watch that tape over the offseason, however long that might be, with a player who's shown that he can improve his talent level at a really good rate, uh, could potentially be even more scary for the league going forward. Or for me and for you, more exciting for the league going forward, uh, for sure. Um, okay. Looking at this other matchup, Denver versus uh, – wait, wait, do I have this right? You got Denver and the Jazz. Yes, sorry. Um, Denver and the Jazz, uh, I'm looking at a matchup uh, where you have Jokic and Gobert. Uh, but, you know, I want to also talk about the evaluation, the, the evolution of the Nuggets, and they've had so many other players that have come and have played well for them, particularly Michael Porter Jr. They still have Will Barton on the way, still have Gary Harris as an option. Jeremy Grant's been shooting well from three. And this bubble has shown just how deep their roster is, and then you put that against the Jazz roster, who's going into the bu- who went into the bubble without a starter, and the starter that they traded for this past offseason, Mike Conley, really hasn't had a, uh, a season that I think most Jazz fans wanted. Uh, how would you evaluate uh, the Jazz's ability to keep up with Denver? Even though Denver kind of operates at a slower pace, they still have a multitude of scoring options. Yeah. No, I, I think um, this is going to be interesting because it, it feels like this is almost a, a new Nuggets team in a way. You know, Michael Porter Jr., had his moments in the regular season, but he was still, you know, they were just kind of easing him in crowded rotation coming off of a back injury. Uh, they, they could afford to be patient, to be careful. They were as a result, you never really saw him at, at, you know, at, at full throttle. And now for the last two weeks, Holy crap. <laughs> you see where this guy was projected as a top three pick before the back injury dropped him. And what a great, you know, roll of the dice the Nuggets made to get him. He now looks like the co-star that they were always looking for for Jokic. And that was supposed to be Murray. It may still be Murray. Um, it may be, th- you know, the three of them. that they, they may have found their young superstar trio for the next 10 years. Um, but Murray hasn't really been that guy day in, day out yet. And, you know, he was obviously, it took a while for him to get back in the rotation in, in the bubble. He's looking all right. But in the meantime, giving Michael Porter Jr. 30, 33 minutes a game and giving him the freedom to, to create and to, to uh, establish his, uh, his repertoire. I mean, he's really, really good. And I, you know, that, that seems like stating the obvious now, but he's, he's done it fairly consistently. The playoffs again are different, not as different as they would normally be because no one's going to be on the road and there's no fans, all that stuff. But, um, I, I think that they can go in with a different level of confidence, a different rotation than they might have anticipated. As those guards get healthy, they'll, they'll all get back in there. But, man, you're not moving away from Michael Porter Jr. now. I, I, you know, what he's established, like you'd, be, you'd be crazy not to make sure he's still getting that 30 minutes a game in the playoffs. And it's interesting, that is a lair, a, a, an area of concern or a position of concern for the Jazz, right? Like this is a team that their strength is, you know, offensively at the guards, um, defensively at the five, some good players in between, but who's guarding Michael Porter Jr. if he's having one of those nights? Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal. Um, you know, it, it's I, I I think I think there's there's a strong advantage there for them, and you know I think Jamal Murray is is certainly going to keep the guards busy for the Jazz. Um, it's too bad Utah doesn't have Bogdanovich. You mentioned him, you know, his absence. Uh, so they're not at full strength. They haven't quite, to your point also, Mike Conley has never seemed to really fit in the the seamless way that they had hoped. Um, It feels like the Jazz have some work to do. And, you know, that's the, you know, that's the next, next task in the off season. But yeah, uh, as with the first two series we covered, I think this one is going to go the way you would expect. I think that, you know, 
Nuggets win this one probably in, in five. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're going to pick in number of games for these, but um, I, I think we're we're five or five or fewer for the uh, for the Nuggets, five or fewer for the Clippers. I can hear that. I I, I can agree with that one. Um, so the basketball gods have been pretty good to us. Some way, somehow, in the middle of a damn pandemic, we got a basketball season back, uh, which I'm happy about. Now, uh, there are certain things that I wish would have happened. I wished Thursday night's games, even though we got a spectacular game between the Nets and, and the Blazers, I wished uh, that the Grizzlies weren't necessarily playing the Bucks because the, the Bucks really weren't playing for too much. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, I, that's, that's nitpicking. And I really wish, and I think a lot of NBA fans really wish, that Devin Booker would have went against the Blazers in, this play in, in the play-in game. But you can't have it all. In 2020, you really can't have – if you get half of it, you should be happy. Um, but we do get one series that I think everybody wanted when the season started, the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, I think everybody's – obviously everybody's excited for it, uh, but I, the common belief is that the Rockets are probably better. But with this Russell Westbrook uh, injury that's going to put him out for potentially a couple games and – there being no home court advantage. I don't even know how that might play, you know, Westbrook going back to OKC and how that might motivate him. CP3 going back to Houston. At the same time, CP3, I think, obviously, you probably even know this more than me, there's a level of pride that he should take, and I hope he does take, in being in leading the NBPA and getting this thing back on track and having this platform uh, to speak about social injustice and things of that nature. Uh, CP3 should be highly motivated, if not more than ever. Uh, how do you evaluate not just the, the competition between these two teams, but all these motivating factors that are going to play a factor into the final result potentially? It's funny because if you had said in October that we were going to get Rockets Thunder in the first round, the first reaction by people would have been, what are you talking about? The Thunder aren't making the playoffs? Are you kidding? <laughs> And, and really, like, I, just, I know it feels like a thousand years ago, but folks, go back and look. Nobody had the Thunder making the playoffs. Uh, very few. And if they were, it was the, as the eighth seed. So if you said Rockets Thunder first round, you'd be like, how the hell did the Rockets end up with the one seed? Or <laughs> yeah. maybe the two seed, right? And yet here they are as the four or five facing each other. Um, huge, huge, huge credit to Chris Paul, to Billy Donovan. Um, that team has they they overachieved maybe more than any team in, in in the league i'd have to to glance at that at the standings again to, to see but you know the mavericks overachieved i think not too many people had them making the playoffs um but certainly the thunder you know it was it was when they before the season started i looked at it and i told listen i was one who actually gave them more benefit of the doubt than most i said i thought they they could make the play i didn't predict they were definitely making i said they could because i thought chris paul shea gilgis alexander Gallinari, Steven Adams. All right, at a minimum, you've got a nice start there, and you got Schroeder coming off the bench. That's five pretty quality players. And the, the retort to me from scouts and others was, yeah, but the drop-off after that first four or five is steep. And they brought some guys along along the way. So, again, credit to the coaching staff and, and de the development they've done. Um, but so much of that, I think, is just Chris Paul infusing that team with a sense of identity and purpose and, a, and a, a, an edge that he always brings to every team he's on. And they've just coalesced around him. And look, I, I thought the Rockets made a bad deal anyway. I'm not a fan of the Harden-Westbrook combination. I thought that Harden and Chris Paul made more sense. You can, you can talk about the results all you want. And yeah, they also just wore each other out and it was time. Okay, fine. Um, I think they, may, they were a more logical fit than Harden and Westbrook. So to this series, Westbrook is starting, uh, is going to miss at least the first game. The uh, chatter so far is that he maybe missed more than one game. If he's missing a couple of games and you have no home court, well, then the, I, I think the scales are actually tipping toward the thunder. Like, I don't think the Rockets should be favored. As, as we speak right now, I don't think the, the Rockets should be favored. This is at, at a toss-up at best, and maybe even the thunder should be favored by a little bit because they're whole. Um, they're, on, they're certainly on a mission, I believe. Um, and, you know, look, Chris Paul's only got so many more swings at this thing. And, yeah, I do think he's going to have a – like, of the guys to have a chip on their shoulder, Russ wanted the trade. So there's no chip on any shoulder there if he's playing. Chris Paul was just ejected by the Rockets last summer. 
And, you know, for a player that look, I think Chris Paul is still better than Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, it's, I, I think that he's got plenty to play for there. And I think that the Rockets over-reliance historically on Harden, th- this is when it shows up is in the postseason when teams can really lock in. One interesting thing about that as well, and I'll, I'll use this as we look at the other two other Eastern Conference uh, first round series with Westbrook's injury. And usually typically with first round series in the normal NBA, you don't play every other day because the NBA is trying to get all their games in prime time. You might play one game Friday, one game Sunday, and then you get two travel days as opposed to just one day in between. And then you might space out that game six or game seven because you want more, more rest and you want to make sure all the games get in great TV slots. This, what we have now is a, a lot more different because there's no travel. We're in a bubble. Everybody's watching TV. I don't want, in, in the Pacific time, people are watching games at 10.30 a.m. That's a story for another day. Um, so that's another factor to see when Westbrook can come back and feel healthy because in a normal NBA, maybe he comes back by game two because of how it's spaced out or game three but if they're yeah. playing every other day, then he might miss an additional other game or so or not be at full health. So uh, great point. Yeah, it's something to think about uh, as that, that series evolves. Celtics, 76ers. Uh, a, a lot of people will favor the, the Celtics, obviously, because of what's going on injury-wise for the 76ers. But the interesting question I have for you there is, do you think – do you think – a certain type of performance from the 76ers can have uh, a negative impact on Brett Brown's coaching status. Well, look, the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, like the Sixers were already probably the single weirdest team in the NBA during the regular season before the shutdown and maybe even more so now, and just kind of in perpetuity, this is just who they are. Their chemistry is weird. Um, some of their, their, their lineup situations are funky. You know, Brett Brown's status is always funky. The will Embiid and Simmons, uh, will they ever click right? Will they be broken up? When will they be broken? It's like, there's a lot of this has been like, not a question of like, if, but when that they'll be broken up. Right. And there were times earlier this season, back before the shutdown, when I had folks around the league saying, this is it, man, this is, unless they somehow make a run to the finals. And even if they do, but probably, you know, more, more, more than scenarios where they don't, this is it. There were people who absolutely expected before the shutdown that this offseason would be when you would break up those two. Other people pushed back on that and said, no, 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 they're not going to be that hasty. These guys are still really young. They haven't had that much time together. And before you go to that extreme, you change the coach first because you got to at least give it a chance to say, well, maybe a different system, a different coach, a different message will bring these guys together. And you got to give that a shot because, look, they are two generational type players top 15, top 20, wherever you want to put each of them. And Bede's definitely top 15. Simmons depends on, on maybe the year. And now Simmons is injured again and, and, and recovering from knee surgery. And we might not see him again in the bubble. That really complicates the picture for the Sixers ownership and front office. Uh, because now you haven't really gotten to see, well, maybe this was the year that they were going to break through. Yeah. I mean, they had a weird regular season and they couldn't win on the road and all that, but Hey, in the bubble, there are no road games. Maybe they make a run. They've got, they've got the talent. That was possible. But now they're not. It's almost certain that they're not. And, yes, I, you know, look, I fully expect the Celtics to win that series. And that is going to put in motion all of these discussions. I think I, – I tend to think that the conventional wisdom will hold true, that you make a coaching change before you break up two generational young stars because it's hard to get value back. And you want to make sure that you have tried – everything else first before you go to that extreme. Um, okay. So before I get to the last series between the heat here and the Pacers, uh, I saw that you had TJ Warren in your all bubble first team, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, on my Twitter account, I kind of made a remix of the all bubble team. And I had a all, I stepped up my level of play during the <laughs> pandemic team. And not just, you know, so players who came back looking like different players. And we've referenced some of them already. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., T.J. Warren. Um, and then I – oh, we, we didn't discuss Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, he's great. Blazers. Yeah, he's really uh, made an impact there. Um, Kyle Kuzma is somebody, I think, who's taken a level up in terms of 
he's definitely been the best shooter on the team, and he's definitely uh, been able to take a better defensive challenge than he has all season, um, night and day, in terms of his defensive impact now. Um, where, who else would be your, I took my level up to another level during this pandemic. I've already filled out four slots, and I've been uh, having a hard time finding that fifth. I mean, guys like Devin Booker, we know they were good. Yeah. Amy Lillard, we knew they were good. Uh, I thought about Mikhail Bridges, maybe. Um, He's a good one. Uh, Cameron, Cameron Payne, whose career we thought might be over in the Payne. NBA. That might, that might be the one. He's, he's, he's a good – how about uh, Karis LeVert? Now, LeVert like, played at a level that we've seen before, I think, with Brooklyn. But, it, it, you know, he, gets, he seems to get hurt a lot, and then it, he kind of fades for a bit, and then he's got to work his way back to it. But, I mean, he, he had a pretty good bubble run. Uh, he might be a good candidate there. Um, who, else, who else has just kind of, like, had one of those, like, eye-opening two-week stretches? Um, people, uh, some people wanted me to say bowl, bowl, but I feel like that might be uh, – he didn't play – he didn't even – he barely yeah. played, so I can't even say he took a level up. He's playing. Yeah. Um, trying to think here. Some people want to say Chris Boucher, but, again, I think his his impact for the Raptors is pretty much based on his playing time. Uh, but, I, like, for example, a player like Kuzma, I see a defensive improvement. A player like Gary Trent Jr., way more offensively aggressive uh, than, than before, and, and he's become, like, their primary perimeter defender particularly for guards. Uh, I'm still having trouble. If you think uh, – you name some names. I don't, I don't know if anybody else fits that rotation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain now trying to think of, like, if anybody else really emerged. But, um, yeah, nobody else, nobody else really coming to mind. But uh, as we wrap up here, I'll see if anybody else jogs my memory. For sure. Uh, so let's get to Pacers Heat. Uh, TJ Warren has plantar fasciitis, apparently. I guess that will make it a little bit more difficult for him to ex- – uh, succeed, uh, particularly against a Heat defense and Eric Spolster and Jim Butler and those guys. Uh, what do you forecast for that series? And obviously, uh, there's a lot of tension between the two, even though uh, it kind of subsided after the last uh, head-to-head matchup. I'm all here for TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler for at least four games. Um, I love it. Like I, 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 I love the way I love the edge to Jimmy. I love the fact that when he he grabs one of these things, he doesn't let go. I like just give me the grudges. Give me like just the. I don't even. I can't even remember what he's mad about and, and how it started. I remember it happened during the regular season. There was a blown kiss. There was some stuff. Whatever. But like, give give me all of it. The NBA doesn't have enough of it anymore. Um, so I'm I'm all in for that one. Look, the the Heat are the team that I feel like people are sleeping on the most of everybody that's still alive or everybody that's that's starting off this playoff uh, season, this postseason. The Heat feel like they're not talked about enough to me because I look at this team and you know they've had their bumps along the way too, and Jimmy's been shooting terribly and all that stuff, but. Um, and they're kind of young in spots, right? Like you've got, you know, two rookies playing a ton of minutes in Hero and none. Bam Adebayo still on the younger side. And this is the first postseason run for this group and first period for a lot of these guys. But they're a pain in the butt defensively. They get after you. Jimmy and Bam are a great one-two punch at both ends and certainly two of the more versatile, switchy def- defenders in the NBA. Like I, I, I think they're absolutely winning that that series against the Pacers, but I also think they have a chance to make a run. I think they have a chance to be in the conference finals. Now, I know that was concept – a week ago, I would have said that as, as a, uh, a hypothetical. Yeah, they can make it to the conference finals. Well, now they can make the conference finals. It means they have to knock off the Bucks in round two because they're in that 4-5 slot. So that's a big obstacle. But look, if you, ha- if you could pick a pair of defenders in the NBA to deal with Giannis, you know, maybe you'd go with – Kawhi and Paul George first, if you're drafting them as twosomes or whatever. I don't think Jimmy and Bam would be too far behind that. I think actually that's a combination you want to throw at Giannis and at the Bucks. Not predicting an upset in round two. I do think they can give them some trouble. And I, I think that, you know, as great as the Bucks defense is, um, offensively that team at times, it, it's so reliant on Giannis and his creating and all the, just the gravity of, of his game, you know, um, I, it, I think that's going to be a really fun series. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Heat Bucks in round two, I think could be a blast. 
Um, I think that's pretty much it. I enjoy your time. Thank you. Uh, while Thanks we were fun. going back and forth, did be any chance that we found a fifth for the I stepped my game up one other level during this pandemic team? I feel like we're missing somebody, probably yet, like yet another one of the sons or something, because it feels like they all just like developed overnight or something. But um, yeah, we like Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Keldon. Yep. There's Keldon Johnson from the Spurs. Uh, some people have said Tyler Hero potentially. Yeah, but he was already having a pretty good yeah. season, so it's not, not nothing like shockingly, you know, new there. Um, oh, we've we've missed somebody. Maybe your we've listeners will come. Your, your, list, your listeners will come up with it, and then they'll hammer us both. You guys are idiots. How could you have forgotten? That's <laughs> yeah, all right. For sure. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, all right, Howard, I appreciate you. Uh, once again, Howard Beck from Bleacher Report. The Full 48 is the podcast, and if you listen to them, you should, if you don't listen to them, you should now. I got a little preview of it uh, here with us. All right, I think that's pretty much it, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. And when we do this, actually, the next time we'll do this, It'll be in between the second round, in between this round and the second round, provided that the Lakers win. So there we go. Danny wins. There's another podcast. If he doesn't, you guys are probably going to tell us to stop doing this podcast altogether. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been great. Thanks for thanks for having me, Harrison. Yeah, yeah.